0: Hello and welcome to The Leadership Journey. I'm Holly Ferguson
1: and I'm John Barclay.
0: In this episode we're talking about how to understand your culture and that sounds like a big question John.
1: It certainly is and I've spent 20 years learning different ways of trying to understand people's culture.
0: Is there like a, a list or a checklist that people can go through to help with this?
1: Yes and no. Uh, the checklist, if at a very high level, simple level, it, it really is about getting information and feedback from the organisation. So it's thinking about how you, how you want to do that and... Simplest terms, probably the most common one people do are surveys, employee engagement surveys, those sorts of things. That's probably the go-to that people do. Those give you some good, what I would call surface oriented bits of information. So you could create a list, got an engagement survey running, how often do you want to run that, how often do you want to get that feedback through without creating survey fatigue. Sometimes you can do that too much and actually annoy people and make it, make it worse. From that then, it's actually going and talking to people face-to-face. I don't think you can get any better than that, actually going very deliberately to talk to your people. What do I want to know? What do I want to hear? How do I create an environment where they can tell me what they need to tell me and they need me to understand? So going and having face-to-face conversations is about being curious enough, to frame really good powerful questions that's going to get people talking and giving you some insights to what's happening that you may not be seeing. The other part is being prepared and in external providers like ourselves tend to be able to do this a little bit more effectively because we're not a leader in the business and it can be a bit safer but running a focus group is really powerful as well when you put topics on the board and start to have conversations and, and I encourage any leader who's done a survey to find what are the key things that have come out of that that you want to go focus group or work group with your team to get a better understanding and dig a bit deeper. You know, So for me, survey, interview people, focus group people, but go out and actually start consciously looking for things in the workplace that back up some of the information you've had. So ob- observations in the workplace are always a great way to Validate or confirm some of the things you're hearing through any other mechanism?
0: If we are a large organisation, I'm assuming everyone can kind of do a survey, but you might not be able to speak to every single person on the ground. So, what happens then?
1: You're spot on. The bigger the organisation, obviously, the harder that gets, and you've got to think about a sampling process. So if I'm a senior leader in a large organisation, I want to get a cross-reference of people. So I want to talk to different levels of the organisation, so my managers, my, my middle managers, my frontline leaders, my team members. So you want to get a sample of those and... You want to get a cross-sample of departments. So I want to make sure I go talk to every department and get a sense of how they're working both as, as a department but across departments. It's also about getting across crews. So if you've got sort of different rosters happening or different groups working back and forth, then you want to get across those. So it's, it's about trying to sample your organisation and making sure you're not leaving anyone out.
0: And so when a leader's doing these conversations, having these conversations, what are they asking
1: they should be asking a combination of really broad open questions because the people will fill that space and go where they need to go. So an open question is obviously something that requires an explanation but we, we can be very specific in our question and, and I'll call that an open leading question. They're also very effective as well. So if you want to know about a specific thing then you would ask a more open leading question. An example could be, so what's it like working here? That's a very open question. What's it like working in this team? Again, very open question. that We're not leading it to be about good information or bad information. We're just asking a very general question and the team will give you an indication of what it's like. If they give you a lot of positivity in that statement, then you know from just you not leading that that there's an under, underpinning level of positivity in the group where if they go down some of the challenges straight away, it'll give you an indication there could be some burning friction going on in the team. So the, the more open the questions are, the better.
0: We talk a lot about trust and how that is essential for a culture. What happens if when you're having these conversations, you meet someone who's got a lot of resistance because they don't trust leadership?
1: If you're trying to do this internally yourself and you feel your fundamental reason for going out and doing this is you think there's there's not a lot of trust or the trust, but you're going to find it very difficult. I mean, that's just the reality. Even if you're a new leader that's come in to a low trust environment, it's going to be very hard to understand what that is and why that is because people just aren't going to open up. And it's even hard enough for an external provider like myself coming in who doesn't work for the company, but people know I'm there to find out what's happening. It's hard for me to establish trust as well because there's always a level of scepticism once trust is broken. So all you can ever do is reassure that it's not about who said it. It's about what's being fed back and just keep reassuring them that we're here to learn. We, We genuinely want their feedback. We genuinely want to hear what's working for us to make a change. We need to know what's happening. So, All you can ever do is reassure and reaffirm things that could be concerning people, but it's much harder to do that internally than it is to do it externally.
0: And this is a process that you would go through before even trying to fix a culture or holding any workshops with people?
1: Yeah, look, you can't design a cultural strategy without knowing what's happening within the teams and within the organisation, so... It's the starting point to any culture journey.
2: In
0: this episode of The Leadership Journey, we're joined by Nicole Heffernan. Nicole is an internationally accredited organisational coach and human performance improvement specialist with a background in psychology. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, thanks for
2: having me on.
1: Hey, Nicole. It's great to talk to you again and looking forward to getting in the conversation about how we understand culture a little bit more. Culture is something we talk about a lot and everyone seems to have slightly different definitions of it. So I'm just interested from your point of view, how would you define culture?
2: <laughs> Probably that classic definition. It's the way we do things around here. But I think um, from my perspective, culture is something that's almost so... So part of who we are and so kind of all encompassing that it's hard to actually even see it from your from your own perspective.
1: Spot on, it's something that's not very tangible, is it, necessarily? It's things you can sort of see and feel and highlight, but not necessarily something you can tangibly get your uh, get get your hands on. So when we think about culture then, why is it important for leaders to understand what their culture is and and where their culture's at?
2: I guess uh, you need to know where you're at um, and where you want to be in order to, to get to where you want to be. I was actually talking to someone the other day, but I almost think it's a little bit like using Google Maps. You know, like you can't get to a destination unless you really know what that destination is like, not just in a kind of abstract sense, but also even if you know where you want to go, but you don't know what your starting point is, well, then you're also going to really struggle to be able to use the tech to be able to carve out a journey for yourself. So it's important to know, yeah, to know to know where you're at um in order to know how how to get to where you want to be
0: how does a leader envision or map out the culture they want to reach
2: oh look i think i mean there's a lot of best practice um information that's out there looking at different uh different organizations talking with um with people i think the for me one of the key questions is what is what does good look like and i think that's kind of a good a good starting point in terms of mapping out what what that kind of ideal culture might look like
1: why is it important for leaders to pay that attention to the culture and understand what their culture is?
2: Yeah, certainly. Well, I think I mean the culture ultimately drives our performance. It drives everything that we um, that we do. So all of the outcomes that we achieve will be influenced driven by our culture If we want to improve performance and let's face it i think there's probably not a, a not a business that, that doesn't and we want to improve effectiveness then the means to do that is through influencing or impacting our, on our culture
1: what are those activities or processes leaders can get involved in that would help them better understand what their culture is
2: i suppose speaking as an external consultant it probably sounds like a plug but i think having somebody external help you to see what your culture is can be really really helpful because culture is so all-encompassing that it can be very hard from the inside to see that and I think having someone who can partner with you to help you to see all of the different kind of elements of your work environment so the systems and the processes that we use will both influence our culture and be influenced by the culture uh, the environment in which we're working will again also influence the culture and be influenced by the culture the people and how they're behaving how leadership are um, active the, even and like the targets, KPIs, all those sorts of things that are put in place, they're all going to influence or impact on the culture. And I guess, yeah, having having a partner that can help you bring what is known, but uh, up to a point where you can actually kind of see it, then gives you the opportunity to be able to work with it. As an
0: external consultant, what are the things you're looking for to help those
2: within the business understand what their culture really looks like? As an external person, it's usually pretty obvious. I look at everything that happens from my first before I even go to a, a workplace or a site, in my first interaction with an organization will give me sort of some sense of what the, the culture is like. So at any interaction that I have with a person will start to shape my perception. Um, I, I I really like to sort of sit back and um, and just observe, observe uh, how people interact with one another, what people are doing, what they're talking about, what they're not talking about. I think all of those things of start to to shape what's going on. And then how do
0: you present that information to the client before you start working with them on potentially changing things?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess ultimately you'd probably write that up into some form of report. But from my perspective, it's most helpful to, to be communicating verbally with the client on an ongoing basis during the assessment process and I think it also helps to clarify and contextualize observations as well so that you can or and and I guess also to test hypotheses or to test assumptions along the way as well just to make sure that you're on the right track. And if someone doesn't have an external resource
0: like yourself and maybe they don't think they've got an issue with culture but they just want to understand it a little bit more what are some things that they can do?
2: i'd say talk to the people that are living and breathing it every day so you know talk talk to your people and ask them about the about what they think the culture of the um, of the organization is and i think if you talk to enough people um and look at the the aggregate data or responses that you get then that'll start to give you a sense of, of what the culture is
1: It's pretty common when organisation and and leaders know they need to understand the culture better to use default, go to a survey process. What are some of the benefits but pitfalls of that?
2: The survey can be good, so it needs to be um, well-designed and in my experience, most surveys are probably not not all that well-designed so that the, the information that they're actually getting isn't necessarily the information that people actually want or that there can be kind of a bit of a mismatch um there, but if you've got a good survey, I do think that could be helpful, but it's only it's only one piece of information, and so I think if you're wanting to put the the jigsaw of culture together, that jigsaw puzzle together, then you need to draw on a variety of sources of information uh, and from that have a look at what are the things that kind of what are the things that agree, what are the things that are in conflict with one um one another so we're not just we're not i suppose not just drawing on one one sample. And then saying, well, that's an expression of, of what the, the culture is, but rather drawing on a variety of samples and the things that from a variety of sources it's telling you the same thing, then there's a fair indication that that's fairly reliable or accurate data.
1: That goes back to your previous point around this, going and asking and listening to the people and going and do some observations in the workplace, see what people are saying and doing or not saying or not doing. And if you've done a survey, how does that correlate to what people have been responding to in that survey is a great, way, great way to piece all that together. If you wanted to stay curious about how your culture is evolving and the people, what would be an example of one or two really good questions leaders could be asking their team? For example, with everything that's going on at the moment, what's working well? start off with a conversation around trying to understand what people think is working well so we make sure we keep leveraging that and then there's probably the obvious opposite to that of you know what's not working so well yeah um, is there some examples of questions you've used that you just think really start to dig into getting a sense of what's happening
2: i think look those those sorts of questions can give you a sense of the overall climate that people are kind of working working with, and I think I think the biggest challenge is how do you illuminate the blind spots because those questions can only give you insights into what is into what is known or what is seen, but the bits that people aren't even aware of that potentially create issues, then I think those are kind of the more more challenging things to be able to surface, and yet they may be presenting as as potentially the biggest issue when it comes to the culture.
1: I can remember going on sites and looking at culture all the time, and I want to go back to the point you're making about um, your first few interactions with people. Yeah, just the way you're greeted and the way people approach you as someone new in the work area is, is very insightful to see what the culture's like. Have you found that as well?
2: Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. So that starts to give you some insights into uh, qualities around care when it comes to um, to culture, and certainly, uh, you know, when it comes to Um, particularly safety culture you know that fundamental kind of value of care is really important in terms of driving a strong or an effective safety culture as
0: someone who's not a a coach or does what either of you two do do you find that people when you go into these organizations like you're saying you're having a chat with them that people are hiding things can you tell when if people
2: are doing that at all as psychologists we're trained how to read people's minds so it's super easy to be able to do that (laughs) no um that was just a joke but um look I think you can you can start to get a sense of whether people are being kind of authentic and genuine because when it comes to constructing something that isn't the truth it's hard for people to be really consistent with that over a period of time and certainly it's hard for that to be consistent between a number of different people so there starts to be Holes in terms of what people are telling you, which which then, I guess, raises the question: is is has it actually been fabricated? So that, from my from my perspective, is usually the indication that um that people aren't being quite genuine. Um, and to be honest, when people aren't, um, there's usually a reason for it. Potentially a lack of trust in external people, a lack of trust in um in leadership, which in itself is a fairly strong message about the the culture.
1: What advice would you give leaders around their role in understanding culture and getting them wanting to know more or build a bit of curiosity for them?
2: I think all leaders want to be effective. And um, and if you want to be effective and you want to drive a strong performance, then really the only way to do it. Um, is through the culture you know you can go around and chase people with a stick but you can only do that for so long so it's about having a high performing culture it's unlikely to happen by accident if you want a high performing culture then you need to know what that actually looks like and again w- where you're at where you currently sit in relation to that thank you
0: so much Nicole for all of your insight uh, my pleasure thank you very much for having me on <laughs> I always really enjoy speaking to Nicole, especially because she's got such a strong psychology background and it's interesting to hear her perspective as a psychologist in this field.
1: I really enjoy it as well because Nicole does challenge the process of, of understanding the culture, that it's, sometimes we can get into the mechanics of going through a process to learn about information. But Nicole does really well to understand that there's more to it than that. It's more complex than that. There's more things to unpack in that. It's not as simple as just going through a process. The process is important because that's a mechanism for doing things, but Nicole always brings us back to... What are we truly trying to understand here? What are we truly trying, what are we missing and what bias is coming to that? You know, Nicole's great at challenging that process.
0: What were some of the things that you really resonated with what she just spoke about?
1: The main one that stood out for me was really emphasising what good looks like. I mean, if you really want to understand where you're going and what you want to do around culture, it is, it is understanding what good looks like. And I think we can... Focus on understanding the culture based on what's what's not right rather than actually going, like, this is what we want it to be and let's seek to understand what the culture is now in context to where we want to be. So what's the journey? Sometimes we go and find out what's the problem and then try and fix the problem rather than saying, here's where we want to be, so where are we at now?
0: It sounds like it's all about alignment and what she was saying about what is ideal to you. So if an organisation does have a really strong idea about what is good, what is ideal, this is what things should look like and then they do what we were speaking about earlier, they go and have conversations with people, they do surveys if they're doing that and the results of that can indicate where they're at along that journey of reaching good.
1: Exactly and I think that leads to another very important point Nicole made around surveys and they're an easy tool to use, people use them a lot, um, but most of the time we see they're not very well designed, the questions aren't really well worded, they're not going to dig into the key things that we want to do. So designing a survey is really, really important and I think it's hard to design an effective survey from an internal point of view, there's, there's too much of a lead, there's too much of a bias already in what you want to ask in that survey versus having maybe someone external who's got a psychology background or a cultural diagnostic background or a behavioural science background who can help you actually frame some of those questions to be a little bit more powerful.
0: So what are the, some of the things that you would include in a survey or exclude?
1: The questions I like to use in surveys are always positively stated. Leaders make good decisions. Right. And then I want to know whether people agree or disagree with that. So it goes a bit to what Nicole was saying around we know what good looks like. So once you know what good looks like from your perspective and what your organisation needs, you can frame your survey questions to be positively stated and then see how much people agree or disagree with that statement.
0: Mm. And I guess going back to your point earlier about you need to, if you are using surveys, it's got to be followed up with conversations and I think if you have those initial ideas to help inform what I should be asking, it allows for more nuanced responses, I'm sort of thinking.
1: The benefit you get with face-to-face is you get a chance to use a couple of follow-up questions if the responses you're getting aren't quite getting to the core issue. So, yeah, you can definitely be more flexible and more adjustable in a face-to-face environment. It's hard to do that in a survey because it's fixed and it's set in one way. You can use good open text questions in a survey, which can help, but again, not everyone's able to articulate what they mean very well in written form, so that face-to-face conversation allows you to really help people unpack what they're trying to say.
0: Yes, certainly, and you get things like tone and facial expressions, body language, all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, you get way more context to, to what people are trying to say, you know, what. What's happened from the emotional side of it, the body language side of it, the facial expressions and all those sorts of things allow you to get a better understanding of, to the question you asked Nicole around you, how do you know when someone's not quite telling you either the truth or not the whole truth, that comes from the behavioural cues you're getting, you can get a sense that something's been held back.
0: Do you ever find when you're going out yourself and doing these one on ones or focus groups that people can get quite emotional and it might even turn into a coaching session?
1: Oh, definitely. The amount of times I've gone in to an interview with someone who's having a very difficult time of it in the culture and that's what's getting unpacked, then you do have to, as a coach, it's just. I couldn't leave that conversation without helping try and build some strategies within it. So that works for leaders as well. If you're going to go talk to your people and something significant comes up, you have to be ready to help them sit in that and come up with some strategies around it.
0: Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Leadership Journey. We hope you enjoyed it. You can find us via the links in the description of this episode. At Barclays, we wish to acknowledge the custodians of this land, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation and their elders past, present and future.